If you have your Bible, you can turn into the, the book of John with me. Our, our passage is in John uh, chapter 1. <clears throat> John chapter 1. I'm going to give reading in verse 6. It says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Our word this evening is witness. You'll see it on top of your handout there as we continue in our series. Imagine that. Imagining these uh, characteristics and qualities of the kingdom of God. Imagining them and what it would take to live them out in our own lives. We've looked together at loyalty and obedience, uh, humility and sacrifice and service. Tonight, we consider what it means to be a witness. And John's gospel shuffles in just five verses. From the high talk of the word made flesh down to this man whose name was John. And we might love the the heavenly nature of verse 1, but he brings us quickly back to earth back down to a man there to make an announcement. The fourth gospel tells us relatively little about him, this guy named John. Nothing about his parents, nothing about his hometown, nothing about his heritage, only that he was sent from God. The other gospels have a lot to say about his odd clothing, what he's eating, what he says that everybody needs to repent and be baptized. In John, he's not even called John the Baptist. Just a boy, really, that the fourth gospel tells us uh, is a witness. A witness who testifies concerning concerning the light. Now why? Why does he come as a witness and what does he come to say? What is he pointing to? He came with a mission to testify about the light. He himself was not the light, but he came to make sure everybody knew about the light. John is not so much uh, the official spokesperson He's just called a witness in this gospel. Uh, In court, a witness testifies to what they've seen or what they've heard. And nobody expects a witness to be creative or original. And nobody wants them to get up there and talk about their background or their personality or their education. If you're in court, what's the only thing that matters about the witness? What they have to say about what actually occurred. They are a witness to something that happened. Many people had prayed for God to come. Isaiah had said God would come one day. 
But few expected to find God coming the way Jesus shows up. Who is God? What is God up to in our world? John wants to tell us that if we want to know what God is up to, we only need to look to Jesus. He tells us the whole truth about God. And that, as our first point, is what a witness is all about. A witness is the work of pointing to the truth. We're not witnesses about ourselves or about our experience or about looking inward and what we know. We are witnesses to the one who shows us what true life is. Imagine, imagine yourself sitting in a cafe with a couple of friends when suddenly the door bursts open And in rushes a stranger with this wild and excited look on their face. And they shout. I'm not going to shout. But you're going to have to imagine. Good news. You'll never guess the greatest news you can imagine. And what on earth could they be talking about? What could that good news be? And why do they think it it justifies bursting into a coffee shop and announcing it to strangers? Well, maybe the doctors had just told the man that they managed to cure his daughter of the disease that was killing her. That would be worth the efforts he put into it. Or another scenario, maybe the person just found out that the local football team had won the game against their biggest rival down the road. A little bit different response merited, but again, an exciting announcement worth bursting in for. And maybe this person had just learned that in a region full of high unemployment and great levels of poverty, there were suddenly new reserves of coal and oil and gas, and there'd be thousands of new jobs for everybody to start. All of those scenarios present good news, an announcement that things have changed as a result of which nothing will ever be the same for somebody. And of course, that's the original meaning of the word gospel. In the Greek text, it simply means good news, a word that was used in Greek life before Christians took it over to talk about what had happened in Jesus. It was an announcement of a victory or a celebration or something news that had happened. And what is the testimony, the news that John himself announced and told his followers to announce as well? So much so that the gospel says he came as a witness to testify about the light. What was the news? Ironically, most people seldom stop to ask themselves that question. Even Some Christians struggle to ask themselves, what was the news that John was so excited about that he bursts in and starts announcing it so wildly? In fact, we take the word gospel and and sometimes we skip over the significance of why Christianity comes to us in the form of an announcement of good news. And the word gospel today carries with it lots of different meanings. It's a pretty loaded word because it's been so attached to our faith and used in so many ways. 
We talk about the gospel truth when we want to stress how reliable something is. We talk about preaching the gospel. And what we really mean is explaining to someone how to become a Christian. A formula that we use to make sure they believe. And for others, gospel is just a type of music, a genre of what they might listen to. The impression that we use the word differently in different contexts, when in reality in the Bible, and when we talk about the gospels, we're talking about these first announcements, these first testimonies that something exciting is happening. And of course, we all know, in a sense, that we're supposed to share the good news. We're called to share a witness of what we've seen and what we've heard. But the problem is, for most of us, it's, it's hardly news anymore. And maybe you're like me. You can hardly remember a time when you did not know who Jesus was. And we can't all sing the words of, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, some of us maybe. But I bet all of us know Silent Night. Because from the youngest of ages, you memorize the truth about the one who was born in a manger that came to change the world. Someone told you about the one who died on the cross to make a way to heaven for you. There's nothing new about the message of the gospel for you. And so sometimes for many of us, we can hardly remember not knowing the news. It's no longer news. Can you remember not knowing about it? Maybe some of you can, and certainly those of us who can hardly remember not knowing about it envy those of you who can, who remember what it was like not to know the truth. Most of us have known the good news of Jesus for a long time. One of the purposes of this study, when we imagine these characteristics of the kingdom, and really any time that we open the Bible, is to study the word in a way that makes it a little bit less familiar to us, in a good way, to defamiliarize ourselves with news that we've heard again and again. Because Christians from the very beginning are those who have been surprised by the news and are eager to share it with those who have not yet heard the news. I wonder, in a room like this on a Wednesday night in the middle of our week, if you can think of how you got here. You're here only because somebody sent from God told you the truth, the truth about Christ. Somebody had to surprise you with it at some point in your life. Somebody like John the Baptist who pointed the way to the way, the truth, and the life. And maybe your witness was a a beloved grandmother who read Bible stories to you every day. And maybe your witness was a a college roommate who kept a Bible open on their bed and was glad to argue with you late into the night until you were convinced. Maybe your witness was an author that you've never met, but somehow that person found a way to say just the right words, words that let you see the light. And there's something about this God that we meet in the scriptures who desires to make a connection with us, who doesn't just stay up in heaven distant, but comes to us on earth, speaks through ordinary people like John the Baptist, sent from God to witness to the light. What I'm saying is if if someone 
had not been a witness to you, you'd still be in the dark. None of us, not one of us in this room, came to the light. The light came to us. And remarkably, and perhaps not as you and I would have planned it, that light has chosen not to shine without a witness. The light, the truth, requires a witness. Our job as witnesses to what we've seen and heard is to tell people the truth. And how do we do that? Where does uh, being a witness begin? I've suggested here that being a witness is the way of living faithfully before the world. That our witness begins as believers, not with our words, but with our faithful presence in the world, testifying to Jesus, testifying to the life that he gives us by the way that we live. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus gives a commission to the disciples. He sends them out, tells them, whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Did you hear the order there? Jesus tells them to go and to eat. We're studying the meal scenes of Jesus on Tuesday noon Bible study right now. Jesus and Luke is always eating with somebody. Eat, heal, and then speak. That's the order Jesus says. First, receive the hospitality. Then, begin to heal, reach out and love, perform acts of, of service. And then finally, based on that, announce the meaning of this as God's loving kingdom coming, his reign on earth by giving them teaching. Their verbal witness was an explanation, not of, of theories or ideas, but a testimony about what their life had already shown. The most common question or concern expressed by most Christians when they share their faith is, what can Jesus do for you? We often start with the question of, of what can Jesus do for you? And so people being invited to consider whether they should follow Jesus or not are told that Jesus can make them happier, can make them healthier or more satisfied or more prosperous. Jesus is attractive packaging to a better life. He's the way to improve their circumstances. That's the, the gospel, <clears throat> the announcement that you see in, in videos and commercials and billboards and buttons and bumper stickers. They advertise Jesus like you would advertise Coca-Cola. Didn't they used to say, uh, the real thing? This kind of Jesus will help us make it in our present lives. He helps us make it in this life. But that kind of Jesus doesn't give us new life. The gospel message and so often is molded to our needs and fit for our potential. But when we read the gospels in the Bible, when we meet the first great witness to who Jesus was in John, we find someone who authentically portrays his life and then offers words to speak what it was all about. Our witness has to be authentic. 
Now, authentic is a, an overused word too, but in, you know in the original Greek, the word authentic actually speaks of originality. You would talk about a, an oil canvas painting, you know, the original that the painter painted as authentic. It is the, the original one. That's what it means to be authentic. What is unique about our Christian witness is that we have to be authentic in the sense that we are reflections of the original. We don't give witness to ourselves. We don't point back to who we are. We are simply giving testimony to the one himself is the original. Jesus comes in the form of man, showing us the truth about God, giving us all of the God that we can handle, as much God as we could possibly comprehend. And we're called to tell others about what we experience in him. And we can't speak about who he is until our lives begin to show it. That's why a study like this began with imitation. Before we can share Jesus with others, we ought to be like him. Witness is the way of living faithfully in front of the world. Witness is also the word of all who have seen and heard. And we proclaim the good news of Jesus, not just with our lives, but also with the words that we share. St. Francis of Assisi famously said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. But some of us live as if it is unnecessary. We would prefer simply to preach with our lives, to do good and to be great and to hope that others will see our shining example and we don't say a thing. I've never met a witness who was called a witness without ever sharing their testimony. And so often, not only do we not speak words, but we assume that there are those among us who will speak on our behalf. They are professionals in our midst. Maybe it's preachers or teachers or staff at your church, or maybe you assume missionaries are intended for that purpose. They're the ones who go and tell. The Bible speaks about certain spiritual gifts, and maybe it's just the evangelists who are the ones who have to use words. But witness is the word of all who have seen and heard. Who hears announcement of great news and keeps it to themselves? We're called to, to share, to announce, to bear witness like it's a task that we ought to live. And our authentic witness ought to come from our lives and be expressed even in our words when spoken in the right moment. Now, sometimes that witness, I've heard uh, true witness sometimes casts a short shadow. In other words, the results may be slow in coming. Your reach may not be very big. I think at the end of the day, sometimes we find that the most authentic witness is the reach that is not all that big. Sometimes we think to announce and to use words, you have to have a platform or a pulpit or perhaps even amplification. But the Bible simply calls you to be a witness to those who are beside you. You don't need to shout or be heard from a distance. Sometimes the most authentic witness is the one that casts only a small shadow. But faithful witness nonetheless. So uh, here's the good news. There was a person sent from God. 
whose name was Amy or Bill or John or, or Trevor or Howie or Sarah, who was sent from God to witness. Nobody special, just an ordinary person, but sent from God. Why? To testify concerning the light, so that through their witness, everybody would believe the light. The witness wasn't the light, not even close, couldn't even line up with the light. But for some reason, the light chose not to shine without the testimony of the witness. I wonder this evening, who needs some good news in your life? Who might need to hear about the surprise that maybe isn't surprising you anymore, but trust me, it's really surprising if you see it right? Who will learn the news because you were there sent by God? The temptation is to believe that John was there to do all that. But when the Spirit comes at the birth of the church, the announcement is broader than that. As the clouds part and a voice came forth saying, you, you, and you shall be my witnesses. There was a person sent from God. Maybe it's you. Let's pray together. Father, we don't always have words to speak. Some days we wake up with words and we can't speak. But you call us to be a witness, to live lives that, uh, that embody your kingdom, lives that give testimony, that, that point others to the light. You call us to open our mouths and to share it with them in their time of need, in their time of success, and in every moment in between. Well, Father, if, if that's not news to us, make it news today. Surprise us again. In Jesus' name, amen.